Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome everyone to House of the Unusual podcast. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian and writer for Scary Monsters magazine. With me, as always, is the maestro of Mail Order Mysteries and owner of HouseOfTheUnusual.com, the one, the only, Eddie Guevara. Tonight's special guest, he's been on before and you all loved him. He's master horror magician Chuck Caputo. Chuck, how's it going, brother? Okay, pretty good, Joe. I'm glad to be here again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. How you doing, Chuck? Everybody's good? Yeah, we're all doing good. Eddie, yep. what, Eddie what's new on uh, on on your end over there on House of the Unusual? Well, uh, I've been thinking um, I'm going to do some changes in our end here. I'm going to be coming future. We're going to kind of separate the words for House of the Unusual, like for Google searches and stuff. So um, it's easier to find because I think most people type House of the Unusual as four separate words. So I've been working on a and being able to make it easier for people. And I'm taking off, like what it says, House of the Unusual dot radio. I'm going to take off the dot radio. I'm just going to leave everything House of the Unusual. This way people will come in and all the links will come out in Google. So awesome. it's going to take a couple of weeks to transition over, but that's my plan. So for Other- so for now, everyone keep, you know, if you're going to search for the podcast or, or anything else, House of the Unusual dot radio, all one word. And as soon as we change it over to uh, to separate all the words, and hopefully it'll be a little bit more user friendly, uh, we'll put an update on on the web page, our social media, and uh, let everybody know on the podcast here too, so that you could more easily find us and uh, check out some of our past episodes, and hopefully stay with us for some future ones. So, uh, Chuck, what's what's been new over in uh, good old Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Well, Joe, you know, it's, it's, it's cold. I'll tell oh, you that. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, we've been getting, you know, uh, 17, uh, 17 degrees, 20 degrees. It's very, very cold, but I've been keeping busy. I've been doing some zoom shows and everything. I'm still not, I'm not, I'm still not performing live, you know, because of the COVID and everything, but I'm on, I'm on zoom performing different shows and so forth. And I have a break right now where I can build things. So I'm still working on uh, creating some magic and so forth. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I tell you what, man, about a, uh, a few days after when we did the the last podcast together, I, I kind of went down a little rabbit hole on, on your uh, YouTube page and started watching just about every video you had on there. I mean, I was the magic was was, was so cool, and I really really dug the uh, you know that that haunted house one. But there is you know, one video I got to ask: what is the? Um, I believe it's called is it Trundle Manor? Yes, yes, that's correct. You shows there. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, Trundle Manor and, and the shows that you do there and if you still do any of them there? Absolutely. You know what? If you guys ever come out to Pittsburgh, you have to see this place. Call in advance and make an appointment. Uh, I don't know if he's if he's still open to tours right now, but uh, you know, but when things get better with this with this COVID, uh, it's a it's a fantastic place. Uh, Trundle Manor is in Swissville, Pennsylvania. And it's it's basically an oddities museum. I mean, this place is so cool. They have a lot of uh, antique uh, surgical devices, uh, steampunk type of things. It's it's really, really cool. And so, yeah, uh, the owner and I are pretty good friends. And so he has gotten me over for several different private parties and so forth. Now, the one you saw, Joe, that took place on Halloween night, I believe. 
and uh, it was on his front porch. It was it was uh, chilly that evening, and he had a movie night. So they would play some scary movies. But prior to that, they had me do maybe an eight minute performance. Yeah, that's, and that yeah, partic- that's the one that I seen. That was really cool. Yeah, you you know what? It was fantastic. And I brought some of my best stuff there. You know, one is an automaton. It's of a, a spooky, uh, almost like a almost like a demon head type of thing. Where yeah, yeah. I have several. I have a few cards selected. I push them back into the pack and I put the pack of cards in his mouth and then I stand back and then the cards will pop out the top of his head. It's kind of a neat effect. And uh, yeah, you know what? That place is always a pleasure to go to. It's a fantastic place. If anybody ever comes out to Pittsburgh, look it up and uh, I would highly recommend it. You know what? I I can't believe I've never heard of it because I'm about 45 minutes or so from um, oh really? I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm out in the Youngstown area, and I I don't think I've ever heard of Trundle Manor unless I have in the past. And but you know I I dig all things spooky, so I'm kind of yeah. I can't believe I've never heard about it. I, I definitely got to look it up. Now, do they still do like the um you know showing movies and all that like around Halloween or any other time during the year? Do you know? Of? Yeah, they have different functions, you know, and it uh you know it depends, you know what 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 they're doing that particular time but yeah throughout the year they have a few outdoor type of events uh and they have tours inside like i said where you can call and they can take you through the place and it is free they do not charge anything but you just give a donation you know right. but it's uh i tell you some really unusual stuff i mean i think that would fit you perfectly because because i know you're into things of that nature and it's uh it's it's just mind-blowing and and uh, joe there are a couple other videos on on there as well i'm in inside trundle manor for a few of their private parties I was performing. So you'll see, you know what, that's the kind of place, Joe, where I could let my imagination run wild. I bring all my really strange magic there. I mean, I've haunted baby dolls that kick things across the room, uh, talking skulls, things of that nature. But there is actually, I believe, two or three more videos uh, at Trundle Manor. So if you keep looking through my uh, through my uh, channel, you'll find them. Now, I'm, I'm looking at some of the pictures online of Trundle Manor. and I mean, it looks... It looks really it cool is. and wild, and there's this, there's this one picture of a. It looks like a turtle kissing a chicken, pushing a baby stroller of baby chicks. <laughs> yeah, some crazy stuff. Yeah, man. they got some some wild stuff there, man. I, I man, I, I gotta definitely you know check that check out. It out. You know, hopefully when all this COVID you know nonsense junk you know whatever you want to call it apocalypse clears up, you know maybe we could <laughs> you know meet up out there and. Yeah, that would be that would be yeah, cool, man. We're so be close because you know I, I I don't get out to Pittsburgh much, nor and I'm only about an hour and a half from Cleveland. I don't even you know really get out to Cleveland too much, but okay. I know there's yeah. a lot of Youngstown out there. Youngstown's a pretty cool place. Years ago, I performed a lot of school shows out there. You know what? I always liked it. It's a you know it was a very it's a very good area, and and the people were always very nice to me. I would actually stay at one of the motels because I'd book a block of school shows for like three or four days straight. So once I was done with one day, I would perform maybe three different school shows. I'd come back, sleep, go out to the other three shows or what have you. You might be uh, you you might be the only person in history that says they they liked Youngstown and that they. I do. I do. You know what? The people were very, very nice to me. No, it, 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 it's a good. I mean, it's just like anywhere you have your good and bad areas. And, you know, there's definitely more good around Youngstown. And it's, you know, they're trying, they're trying to build it up and, you know, bring it back. But, you know, after the steel mills and all that closed in the late 70s, it's, you know, just like oh. everywhere else, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, that whole the whole Rust Belt and all that just 
you know, got decimated. But absolutely, yeah. they they were a nice bunch of down to earth people. They were great. Yeah, it, it, there are definitely a lot of nice people. But this uh, this Trundle man, right? I'm looking at these pictures. And I'm just kind of sitting here drooling over some of the the odd stuff. I'm telling happened. you, I couldn't imagine, you know, watching a you know one of your magic shows there, one of the the spooky magic shows, or even you know watching some horror movies there. I mean, that's like. Oh, the yeah. perfect atmosphere. Now, um, now who who uh, runs that place? Okay, it's a it's a uh, it's a husband and wife, and he's called he's he goes by the name Mister Arm, and that's A R M. What that is is uh acronym. His name is Anton Raffio Mariello, and he and he calls himself out of that Mister Arm, and he just got married. He invited me to his wedding. It was a cool wedding, you know, with the wedding reception. It was very very cool. Some of the neatest stuff you've ever seen. He brought some that's awesome. Uh, and yeah, it's I, I think he's been married now about four years, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he's married to a wonderful woman. Uh, she calls herself Velda von Minx, I believe. And uh, <laughs> very, very, very nice people. Very, very nice people. That's that's cool there. We'll have to definitely keep in touch and, you know, meet up out there. Or even when you're doing a show, I'll have to yeah. head out that way. And, you know, maybe we could even talk old Eddie into to driving out from, from where he's at at the House of the Unusual headquarters that would be cool. that would be cool. <laughs> he, he, he got a I little actually, longer drive but he can make it <laughs> no oh, i was yeah. actually thinking um chuck uh kind of talked me into driving that way soon because of uh something he said he was going to let me have which is kind of exciting <laughs> so I, i'm definitely going to probably rent the vehicle because uh my car wouldn't fit the device he's got in it so i can bring it back this way uh, Chuck, we're talking about that device. What was the name of the device? Yeah, what this is called is a blue room effect. And, uh, it, you know, it goes back to the uh, probably back to the 1800s, the actual idea. It's called the Pepper's Ghost Illusion. If you if you read any of the uh, Robert Houdin books and so forth, uh, you know what he actually explains it. But this is a it's it's kind of a tabletop version, but it's fairly large. It's a, about a 36 inch square cube. And uh and the front is open. So whatever you place inside this thing, all you do is you hit a button and you walk away. It'll slowly uh, disintegrate, almost like Star Trek. It'll like slowly, slowly disintegrate until it's completely gone. And then if you wish, what you what you can do is make it come back. I mean, this is really cool. Uh, basically, it uh, works on a lighting system with uh, rheostats. Uh, the front part of the lights are bright, but then slowly it's timed. They'll get dimmer, and then the backlights behind the glass will turn uh uh, brighter so it'll shift in other words there is a there's a piece of glass that separates the box but it'll actually turn into a mirror if the lighting is done properly yeah the uh that that's actually there there's a couple of books and i'm saying chuck i'm not sure you've seen them uh, one of the books is uh called the ghost um they you know the pepper's ghost or the idea of the ghost has been around for quite some time I have actually two copies. One of them is just called The Ghost. And then there's another hard, car, hard copy, like a hardcover that I pay like $80 for. And now sells for like 700 You know which books I'm talking about, Chuck? I have an idea. Yeah, yeah they sound vaguely familiar. Yes. Uh-huh. They, uh, yeah, because like I said, it's all based on the, it tells you the whole history behind the Pepper's Ghost illusion, uh, which how it was used in the 1800s now. One thing that I thought it was funny to bring up in the show is, you know, we always talk about mail order where you had the long wait back in the 70s. <laughs> well, 
back a few days ago, about, about 10, 15 days ago, I mailed Chuck, uh, Joe, you, and Todd a package each. And for some reason, uh, Joe's package, I mean, not Joe, uh, Chuck's package uh, took a tour around the country. Oh. <laughs> it went from here to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and then from Pittsburgh, was there two days, and came <laughs> back to Jersey, went back, I think, to Pittsburgh and back to Jersey again. And then finally back to my P.O. box. So my, my baffle is, why in the world is this happening? Why is it? And today, uh, when the package, well, they couldn't be, they couldn't find it. Uh, had the postmaster look around and finally found it. And the mystery was solved. What happened was, is that the, when I sent out the package, the girl at the clerk, at the you know, the clerk counter, she entered the address for me instead of the two address. <laughs> And when she put the tracking number, what happened was the package address was uh, Pittsburgh, PA, and it went there. But the moment they scanned it, they said, oh, this package is in the wrong destination. They sent it back to me. Um, Unbelievable. It was interesting. But it made it gave uh, poor Chuck over the ANSYs. I mean, he was very anxious to, <laughs> to get it. And, and obviously, he was thinking, uh, like, where's my package? And That's crazy. It went all over the place like that. Yeah. First time it happens ever to me. I mean, I think in, in 20, 30 years that I can recall any incident, this was one of them. Yeah, that well, was we'll, we'll just blame it on you, Eddie. That's all. <laughs> yeah, the, the house of the unusual. Now, let me say one thing to you guys. It's funny. Um, and this happened today, too, which was ironic. But it was, it's been one of those weird days. I'm in uh, work, and all of a sudden, I hear my computer go ka-ching. And I say, well, $183 sale in four o'clock in the morning what was that what happened was is that wix <laughs> wix updated their, their servers and when they updated their servers even though i accept payment as paypal on my wix it deleted and assigned me one of their accounts so what happened was i had in the shopping cart a few things from a year ago when i was practicing to order through the website when i was doing the website and it automatically charged me for the, the items like if I was purchasing them so the purchase was actually made from one of my credit cards to me <laughs> so then I found out something very strange that I didn't know work like this but if you if somebody buys something in PayPal and let's say the person gets a refund PayPal refunds you the fees or what they call the transaction fees with the Wix payment gateways the company they use doesn't do that so they were trying to charge me $12.80 for the transaction so I'm actually fighting it now because I'm like, how can you charge me twelve eighty for something that was a, a mistake? I, I didn't authorize it. But anyway, just to make a long story short, I thought that that was funny. Between that and the lost package of Chuck, it was like one of those weird days where things uh, happen that are like, you know, really in a weird way. But anyway, um, what I wanted to ask you, Chuck, and, and I was listening to you guys with the manor and stuff like that. There is next to my house about maybe seven or eight blocks away, there's an old church building that used to be a St. Michael's Monastery. Okay. In fact, if you guys Google the St. Michael's Monastery in Union City, New Jersey, you'll see the building. Okay. It was built over 200 years ago, or close to 200 years ago. And then, of course, the Catholic Church gave it up and, and it became where I think it's abandoned. But the whole monastery itself looks like one of those European castles. And the whole block around it was the monastery and it had even an old cemetery there so what they did of course uh, real estate developers developed in the backyard of it and all that because it was a square block of area 
Um, it's it's a great looking building, man. A night when you walk towards the side of it, it, it. I mean, I have to look for a photo and send it to Joe. He'll he'll salivate over it, but it has <laughs> a really really gruesome looking to it. You know, look to it. But um, you know, having said that, Chuck. When you do horror magic, and I know that's what you do the most, and and you have a, you know, a collection of our, our is it pronounced Arditi correct? How do you? Inverti. Inverti, Inverti. I'm, I'm pronouncing wrong, of course. Yeah. Inverti magic and stuff, such as a talking skull and all that stuff. Yes. Uh, a lot of the jokes, I mean, a lot of the tricks, today, <clears throat> not jokes. A lot of the magic tricks today. Do you think they're based on a lot of his things? Because I've seen. A lot of those similar items, like the talking skull, the um, do you think they came from people copying him? Well, you know what? I think the modern ones do. But if you trace the lineage of the talking skull, it goes it goes back to the Josephy talking skull, which I believe he was he was a um, he, uh, he was from Austria, if I'm not mistaken, in like the in like the early 1800s, I believe. But he he hammered his talking skull out of uh, copper. So this this sucker was very heavy, and uh, his was watchwork. So 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 the actual origins of the talking skull goes back, you know, goes back probably at least 200, 200 years or so, you know, uh, uh, like as far as uh, magic people have have actually used them, you know, such as myself. But the thing about Inverti was he pioneered the micro electronics, where where he actually put it put the electronics into the into the skull itself uh, to make his jaw clack with you know with a uh, remote control so you don't have to be anywhere near it so he kind of put it into into like a new dimension he uh, propelled it into like a new era uh so yeah he's uh, generally created his name is tony Inverti, and he was a dutch uh, magician slash inventor so if you if you google him online it's a n v is in victor e r d i so if you google him you know what like you'll see a lot of his creations and so forth and I have probably the largest uh, the Inverti collection in the world, so that's why that you know, like a lot of these magazines feature me, you know, uh, you know, which is you know, which is a very, you know, it's a very uh, humbling experience. You know, I'm very thankful to have them, you know, you know, to even consider me to do that. But yeah, the other night, uh, what you saw was a podcast. It was a visual audio podcast, and I demonstrated a lot of the Inverti effects, the talking skull. There's a mental die where it's a it's it's a cube you know, standard dice, it's about three inches by three inches. A spectator places it into an opaque box and closes the lid. And while you're across the room, you can still discern which digit is facing up. And it, you know what, the whole thing is electronic. And he built that in about 1975, 1976. So that thing is, you know, what, 30, 34 years old, 35. And it still works, you know. And uh, yeah, so mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, he was a fantastic, he was a fantastic inventor and he took magic probably to a new height. I saw the skull last night as you were showing it, but here's, here's something interesting that I have to add to that. Um, what that reminded me of were two things. The first time I ever seen something like a talking head like that was I was introduced to it while watching Lost in Space. There's an episode where they bring a box to a Dr. Smith. And when they open the box, there's an alien head inside that talks. Are you familiar with I think, that? I think I remember that. I think I remember that episode. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I bought. And I always try to reproduce that, believe it or not. I, I, I like that particular thing. It was kind of cool, like the talking alien. But when you showed the little skull, I was like, do I have that in my collection? I have a feeling. Wow. That I might have one. And, you know. 
the reason I think is because when I did buy it, I probably bought it a long time ago, probably 1999, 2001. Wow. And I think I bought it because I was looking for the Dr. Smith on eBay. And this is the early days of eBay. <laughs> and I think that that talking skull came across. And if I remember, I paid something like 29 or $35 for it. And I think I have it because I know it's a small little skull and it moves and I'm almost sure it's the one that you showed last night. And the wow. thing I, 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 you know, I don't remember it. If I have it, I, I'm going to have to like do a soul searching through my, my boxes. Right. And see if I go, but I, I think for some reason, you know what, I think I have one of them. And again, I didn't buy it because it was a, you know, a Verdi or a magic trick. I bought it because I was trying to replicate the Dr. Smith talking skull, which <laughs> believe it or not, um, one of the chiller theater conventions I attended about five or six years ago, somebody actually had a life-size built one of those. Cool. Um, I, I don't know if they were selling it. I don't know if they just had a demonstration. I know I was trying to look at it, but there were so many people around the table that I, I forgot about it. And I went on my way and then I said, oh, sheesh, I forgot to, <laughs> to see. The... But, but basically, because what I do have, and in fact, I, I ordered one of them, but I kind of got eh, disappointed and canceled after I ordered it. It's the, and I had an opportunity to get an original is from the Twilight Zone, the episode where um, William Shagner is, mm -hmm. and they go to this restaurant, and on top of the restaurant, there's a oh my they call it the Seeker. Oh, what that, is that called? The the yeah, that's the Seer. That's that's that that's a, the Seer. Okay, Seer. Yep. Yes, and I actually ordered a life-size one of those on Etsy about two years ago. <clears throat> and then after I ordered, I was waiting for it. And the guy's like, well, it's going to take me two months to send it out because I make them by hand. So I got disappointed. I'm like, you know what? I'll just I'll take my money back. And now they actually made a copy of one. I do have a mini version of it. Mm -hmm. I have about two or three mini versions of it with the Twilight Zone. They're like... Uh, action figures right and it has the seer the seer is one of them right but but i the life-size version that they made there was one that actually would spit out the fortune cards you know, just it works just like the original that would be they're cool. doing 2500 dollars on ebay right now wow you know and I could, that's you know you know what eddie that's my absolute favorite episode of the twilight zone i'm a huge twilight zone fan and so is my right. yeah and so is my wife <laughs> and you know what that's our favorite episode it's called nick of time and there's just yep, nick of time. Yep, and there's just something about that episode. It is just so cool. Like they get stranded in a little town in Ohio. They stop in the diner, and uh, the husband, which is William Shatner, gets obsessed with this little seer, and he keeps putting pennies into it, and he keeps asking questions. And uh, it's just a cool episode. It's just the whole scenery. There's something about that episode that's my absolute favorite one. Oh yeah, and that that little was it's like a little machine with a, a devil's head yep, or something yep. on the top of it that's got to be one of the coolest props it is you know I, I know a few years ago i think it was might have been sideshow toys or something like that was mm -hmm. that's uh, the one that put it out you're right yep. yeah they were selling a, a prop of it. it it was really cool but yeah that's a that's a, a, a super episode it is, man that's fantastic it, it's just like the talking head from uh you know um zachary smith which was an alien but I think the prim the idea behind a lot of these inventions are probably all taken from people reading old books or seeing old magic shows uh, from props like the, uh, you know, the skull, the talking skull you have there. Then they have you, you yourself have made a, a new one, which is the shrunken head. Right, right. Um, 
you know, it's it's been like a big thing. Like with the shrunken heads, for example, one of the, you know, when we talk about shrunken heads, I just mentioned that it's, it's not changing the conversation, but there was a Vincent Price was on the cover of the 1970s shrunken head kit. I remember that. To advertise on TV. Yep. That, that box, if you see it, it's such a phenomenal looking box. I actually paid like 70 bucks for one of those just for to get the box. Sure. Um, and you it would show you how to carve apples and make them into trunken heads, you know? Yep. So it was, you know, it was good. It wasn't a bad uh, kit. I mean, a little messy, I guess, for a kid, whatever. But um, those kits are hard to hard to come by now, too. I've, I've been looking for years for one of those. Absolutely. You have. I've actually come across it like four times last year. Really, I haven't seen oh them. Oh my gosh! Every time I go to a show, I I look for for them, and I just I are you yeah? But are, are you talking about the Vincent Price one in particular? Yeah, they they yeah, I, I never see them. I'm glad you told me that. I'll be on the lookout because I know they. I got mine for seventy. Some guy you know sells it for sixty. Yeah, they sell, but in reality, most of the kits are not complete 100 percent because all it really is to look at it when you open up the kit. Uh, what it has inside is equivalent to a, a pumpkin carving kit. Oh, okay. It basically shows you how to carve the apples into a shrunken head. And mm-hmm. they put Vincent Price, obviously, because he's, I don't know, talking about when we were talking about the height of each other before, Chuck, we were talking about weight and stuff earlier. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention, his daughter told me he was about six foot five, six foot six. This guy was huge. Oh, he was a big, he was a large man. That was a tall man. Very tall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you don't notice it on the television because I, I could tell you what, one time I went to Chiller and I met the the, the cast of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And of course, the cast of Dallas had Larry Hagman, which is, uh, you know, I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, sure, sure. The there, the, 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 so I wanted to. And one thing that shocked me, the guy who played his brother, Bobby, this guy was like six foot eight, man. Really? I, oh, he is huge, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? Is that is that Patrick? Is that Patrick Duffy? I believe. Patrick, yeah, Patrick okay, Duffy, yeah. Was. Look him up; you'll see his height. Wow! But when you see him, it's just like the guy who did um, a Gladiator. Mm-hmm. He's about five foot two, five foot, but yet he looks like a big guy. They they play it off on the TV where you never see them together, mm-hmm. like side by side. And you can you know distinguish the height of one another. Yeah. My friend is six foot five, and when we went to Chiller. Patrick Duffy towered. Over Isn't that him. something? Wow. Uh, really, really baffling. Wow. Um, but I mean, that's that's the way uh, a lot of those things are. But my question to you also is like, in horror magic, uh, especially when you use those uh, devices, there is, um, I got intrigued by it a couple, like a year or two ago. Um I was back in when I was young, there was some company selling the fun stuff was the name. And they had this little floating ghost and they called it the pet ghost. And well, anyway, so I started thinking about all this thing when I mentioned to you about the thing with Mason and, you know, developing the one item. And I thought and then also a company came out with a thing called the pet ghost. And David, uh, Dave had David Harvest had, had, you know, from Mrs. Adam had gone to uh, New York City and he filmed the guy showing the ghost. And he's like, Eddie, this guy is selling hundreds of them. Uh, but they weren't out yet. So then when they finally came out on eBay, I actually bought like 36 of them. Uh, but it, it works on the principle of the haunted handkerchief. Right. Not the haunted handkerchief, but yeah, the, you know, the dancing handkerchief mm-hmm. is the one I'm talking mm-hmm. about. The dancing hanky. But they took it to the next level. 
they, they put a handkerchief and they put a face of a ghost on it. And the guy that demonstrates it, which I'm going to find the video and send it to you guys, does a phenomenal job showing this this disembodied spirit that you grab and it, it's a pet ghost and it jumps up and down, whatever, this and that. Great, awesome magic trick. So I started, because of that, getting involved with the dancing handkerchief. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to try. So I went over to Florida, to St. Augustine, to uh, Theater Magic, which is that company I told you. Um, I don't remember the name of the, the guy who owns it right now, but the guy was selling there and he boxed the kit. Now, the way he boxes his products, he uses a little two-inch by two-inch box. It kind of looks like those boxes you would buy in a novelty store, like yeah. a Hobby Lobby sure. to put jewelry in. But they, they're kind of like a flimsy box, but then he shrink wraps them. And they're colorful and they're printed professionally. So I bought the the haunted handkerchief there. And I just bought it basically because of the way the box looked. And what I do to preserve it is I obviously I flatten out the box. Put it between books, you know, like in a, in one of those comic book pl- cardboards with the to make the box, you know, preserve the box because I love the artwork on it. And then I took out the, you know, the haunted hanky and the way it works, you know, has the thing where you attach it to your fingertip yeah. and it has the wire. And I mean, that's one of them. But anyway, when you're talking about electronics and the reason I brought up the haunted hank and the whole story around it took me an hour to <laughs> explain it is that I came across one guy in particular. I forgot his name around December and he's selling a haunted handkerchief, electronic one for $1,200. So I'm like, what can justify? <laughs> like it's, it's amazing. It's just like that company spider that comes out with like the floating ring and they go for the prices of two to $300. Yeah. But anyway, do you, do you know anything about that particular heavy duty priced Haunted yeah, you know what? The guy that you're probably talking about, I think, anyway, I mean, I'm not sure, but the guy that came out with electronic type of hankies goes back about 10 years ago. His name is Sean Bagunia, and that, that might be the guy you're talking about. Now, he came out with a few different versions. I actually have one or two of his versions. Uh, Don Wayne, back in the, maybe back in the mid-70s, early 80s, he collaborated, he collaborated with David Copperfield, and he came out with the Dancing Hank. Okay, but that was a, a manual type of an operation. So, so this guy Sean Bagunia came up with uh, uh, with different versions where it's 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 a, a motorized type of a, a version where 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 there's a button you push and it'll bounce back around and so forth. So, I do have a couple versions of his dancing Hank, and it is fantastic. I mean, it, you know, uh, uh, but the thing you're talking about with the you know with the um, uh, with the manual type of thing with a little wire, I think Steve Dushek. I think he he pretty much came out with that back in the early seventies, late sixties. It was called Waltzing Matilda was the original name, and it was it was a really cool little uh, hanky. It was like a self self contained little unit with a wire, like you said. Uh, you know what? But if this is done properly, it looks like real magic. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Well, let me say one thing for you. Uh, a lot of people don't realize. If anybody who grew up reading a Johnson Smith catalog will remember that the Johnson Smith had a beautiful ad for the dancing handkerchief. And it kind of looks like a little ghost figure and it has like three or four photographs of it across a, a stage. And it's, it's, I mean, if you pick up a Johnson Smith catalog, you'll see what I'm talking about. So I grew up seeing the ad for the haunted handkerchief, but I never really got into what it was. But see, one of the things that also, when they do things like that, that, that makes it stand out in the crowd is the way they package it. 
if you look at the haunted handkerchief from Loftus Novelties, which is the originator of the haunted handkerchief. Now, there's two different. The haunted hanky is one thing that dances around. And the haunt, haunted handkerchief is something you lay on a table and then it starts moving. Yeah. And you, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's two different. Yeah, things, right? yeah. That's, that, that one's called Glorpy. That, the, the original one's called Glorpy. That one, they, they, that one you can make stand up on the table and so forth. It'll rise. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. I have, I have Glorpy. Gorpy is, is one of the original and then but what I was gonna say, the one that stood out the most that was sold in the Johnson Smith catalog too since the seventies, and I took stood out the most is the Loftus novelty, the they call it the hilarious haunted handkerchief. Right. And and you know, they did make a later version where they changed the art on the on the on the envelope itself. I think they failed by doing that because if you look and I have both, I have like four different versions mm-hmm. of that. The artwork in the original haunted handkerchief from Loftus Novelties, the one that it looks like he's, you know, it's like a dark blue front, and then it has like a ghost flying out of like a castle window. Yeah, you know which one yep. I'm talking about. That's that's top notch. That's the one I think Joe would pick to put in his collection. <laughs> as long as it's horror, I'll throw it right in my collection. Yeah, I, I actually. If you go back to the dancing Hank, you know Harry Blackstone Sr. back in the '30s in vaudeville. I mean, he made that he made that really popular. I mean, I mean that that was a stage type of thing where, where he used it would dance around. It looked real, and he had a box called called the Casadega box. It was like a box with diamond cut openings in the front. This handkerchief would go inside one of these holes, pop up the other side, come back around. It would dance on the stage. It would jump up on his hand with his other hand. He would hold his fingers like a gun, and it bang. And it would drop dead. I mean, it was fantastic. He did that way back. And then he passed that to his son, Harry Blackstone Jr. And uh, he performed it up until he passed away, uh, I guess, around 1992, 93. He died somewhere in that area. But that's that goes back to the vaudeville days, actually, yeah, the large stage version. Yeah, it's kind of, well, it works in a similar premise. Well, it, the zombie ball, I think it's a little more complicated because you have to have more strings. Right. More, uh but the zombie ball is one of those items too that again you need a big stage to pull it off. It's not a magic trick you can just right. do anywhere. But yet it's popularized because of the way they play it, you know, with the zombie. Absolutely. Ball, you know? And growing up looking at Cristobal, that's another horror magic that I think was really fantastic. And you know, one of the things they did, especially in spook shows is they would have ghosts fly throughout the audience above the heads of the people and scare them <laughs> at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I saw a similar thing and I, I always thought, like, how would they do that? But listen, I went to Pennsylvania. We went with my church about a couple <laughs> of years ago and they, they took us to that movie theater over there. They're not a movie theater. It's a famous Christian theater. It's about it looks like uh, the Disneyland castle. It's I forget it where in Pennsylvania it's 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 by the Amish t- country I think it's like two hours three hours from oh, okay. there but I went to this theater that holds probably forty fifty thousand people inside it's huge and they had um, Jonah and the whale was the play that they were playing and when I'm sitting there the next thing I look I look above my head and there's a whale <laughs> flying right over <laughs> my head and I'm like are you kidding me and it was physically made of material. But it flew all over the thing, and I was like, "That's gotta be the coolest thing ever." Wow. And now, I'm even though I grew up in Manhattan, and my mom 
worked in 34th Street, uh, right across Tannins in that area for probably 36 years. I never actually went to a Broadway play. <laughs> I've been, I've never been of interest to go to a Broadway play. Um, so that was kind of like one of the ones I went, which is funny for being a collector and growing up in Manhattan. People think, hey, listen, I've never even been in the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. And my mom worked right across the street from it. So the point I'm trying to say to you is that it's just that when you have things next to you, you take it for granted. That's true. Um, I mean, I had all the magic shops that started the thing were blocks away from where my mom worked. Tannin's Magic Shop, Flauso Hornin Magic Shop. And I went in it once or twice. And one store that is still in business is called the Starlog Store. Mm -hmm. They've been in business from the early 70s. They sold comic books wow. and they're still on 13th Street. Then there is a company called the Abracadabra Magic Store. And they're located in the village. I think it's 23rd Street. And Tricky Mickey is the manager there. He goes, his name is Mike, I think, but he goes on the Tricky <laughs> Mickey. And he's, he's funny. He's a Christian um, a magician. He's really cool at that. And he'll give you a card that says, you know, it's all about Jesus, that type of stuff. But the thing that was really interesting about him, he gave me a tour, which I could send some photos to you guys, of the, the shop. It's three floors. And it has, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a huge magic shop. And it's, it's been there over 70 years. Wow. So it's, it's there and it's got to be, it's a prime property. It's, it's like really almost next to Broadway. And um, this shop, uh, when you go inside, at one time they used to produce their own catalog and stuff, but when you go to the basement, they have life-size props. And some of those props were life-size Egyptian mummy kind of like King Touch mummy things that you would open it up and it had spikes Is in it. Is that cool? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I have pictures. I can send them to you guys if you guys I'd like to, I'd like to see that. That would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was saying, and then he um, he showed me how he was able to put a balloon through his mouth and come out of his nose, you know, like he was able to do that. It's, <laughs> it's And he did it for real. I guess that's something you got to practice. Yeah. Uh, and then he showed me the spider with the floating ring and all that stuff. And as soon as I came out of there, I'm like, what? Cause you know, I'm obviously, I don't want to pay the high prices of things because I know when I can get them. So what I did is I called Scott, um, let me not say the name. I called the, the manager or the owner for Morris costumes. And I'm like, dude, I need this. Do you have it? Are you carrying this item? Because they're charging me like 75 bucks. Yeah, I want it like, I want it for like 10 or 20, you know? <clears throat> and he goes to me, he goes, which one? He goes, oh my, he goes, I ha I don't have that one in particular. Find out what the company is. I like to carry it. So I'm like, okay, that didn't get me nowhere. <laughs> but, um, but the ring itself, the prop later, I was able to obtain it like for 15 bucks on eBay. Um, which it's just a ring. It, it, it has a little me mechanism that you put in your pocket and stuff and into an invisible string, the, the ring flies in the air and it lands on your finger, which is so bizarre. The guy did it right in front of me. I like it was, I was mm -hmm. baffled by it. Like he'll take the ring, he spins it in yeah. midair, Okay. And then he puts his finger right through the ring and the ring is just flying all around him. And by me, it's very well performed. It was a phenomenal trick that I almost actually fell for in the morning, <laughs> even though I know, you know, I mean, I'm not a magician, but I know of magic, and I've always been intrigued in collecting magic apparatus. Um, I do have, you know, what I have in my collection that I acquired a few okay. years ago. You know that that balloon that um, I, I forget what it is. It's about to be like a guy, and, and his head pops. Oh. 
oh yeah it's like two three feet yep. tall uh I, I forget what it was i think you paint the face mm-hmm. on him and then when you put something the head pops you know which yeah about, yeah right? the balloon pops and then and then the duplicate head pops comes into play it comes up behind the balloon that's yeah. that's the one I, I was able to get one of those and then one that i have about several sets i have about three sets and one of them cost me like 300 bucks is where you have a, a a black box it looks like the the cabinet that that you know the three-way cabinet that um life-size cabinet you put a person in you slide the blades mm-hmm. on the side it looks like that but it, it's a skeleton like you stick the head of the skeleton in and then the body and, and then it all comes mm-hmm. as one piece when you lift up the the whole mm-hmm. unit I have a Spanish version made in Spain, constructed of solid wood and stuff. That one cost me like two hundred and forty-nine mm-hmm. bucks. I have one from Brazil. I have, uh, you know, like a couple of famous ones. I, I, anything that dealt with haunted magic, especially the Tenyo. Mm-hmm. I have the Tenyo little haunted. Yeah. House. Oh yeah, that was cool. I remember yeah. that. Yep. I I have two of those in mint condition, unopened. Mm-hmm. I also have the the more modern one, which is the third one. Of where it's kind of the box kind of sucks because the artwork is in Chinese. Yeah, so it loses, you know, it loses the yeah the um, appeal kind of yeah the, I know what you mean. the appeal. But I do have that as well, which is the yeah. same pro- trick. I have everything from the you know that little ghost kit that uh, comes in three cards and it's a yeah ring, that's pretty cool and the ghost switch place. Okay, I have like four or five of those. I ha- everything when it comes to haunted magic, I usually search. Wow, that's great! Wow, so you. And I wound up buying it. Well, you know what? Tenyo Tenyo does a pretty good job overall. About 15 years ago, Eddie, there was an effect they released called the floating rock. Do you remember that? It was it, it was like a, a moon rock. And I have a few of those, and it's it's a cool effect. It's it's a close-up effect. It's just it's 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 a very realistic looking rock. And and you basically lay it down on this little panel that comes with it, and it kind of looks like a photograph of the moon surface. And and there's a little band that you lay around it. And all you do is you just pass your hand over the rock and it'll start to levitate. It'll actually float off that panel about two or three inches. And what's cool about it is, is the panel is designed in such a way uh, that you could push it around. So move it, so you move it around while the rock is suspended. It's a really baffling illusion. It's called the Tenyo floating rock or moon rock. And it's a really cool, it came out about 15 years ago. It was really hot. And uh, so that's something to look into if you don't have I- one. Well, I'm I'm kind of glad you brought that up because he, here's the, the funny thing about it. I do have that. Okay. And when I was yeah. developing, remember what I told you about the the rock, the moving rock yeah. and stuff. I was trying to look for a way to make the trick work, and I went crazy looking for that tenure product. I have no idea what I have to do. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it like in I don't know the, since the '90s. And I've looked for it, man. Now that you say you have a couple, maybe you can explain the apparatus on it. So maybe I I can duplicate it, but um, I'm kind of glad because I, I've been going on eBay and, and they're kind of like hard. Yeah, like I said, they came out about 15 years ago, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 kind of looks actually looks like the moon mm-hmm. itself, the little round, and then the the surface looks like the Mars or moon surface, I guess. They oh yeah, oh yeah. The whole principle behind it is brilliant. Luber Fiedler, he was a German magic inventor, and he created some of the Tenyo effects. So that's why they're so good. I mean, there's, you know, the ones he created anyway. He was absolutely fantastic. If you look him up on YouTube, you can see him perform. He passed away now, but he he was absolutely amazing. I mean, I've never seen magic like this. His name is Luber Fiedler. So if you check him out on YouTube, they have a few few videos of him. 
I mean, you will be amazed at the stuff. It's all close up. You'll be amazed at the stuff he does. The um, the the thing when you when you say about you know the floating rock and stuff like that that also did you ever do you remember the Euler's disc? Oh yeah, that brings back memories. Yep, yep. That that's kind of what you reminded me of also because the let me tell you one thing about the Euler's disc and stuff. Now this where we're talking about the Euler's disc that you know Joe, it's a disc that comes in the surface. The surface is like a round wooden plate that weighs like about five pounds, man, <laughs> heavy as hell. And and it has this disc, like a big giant, it looks like a hockey puck. And you're supposed to like spin it around and it the disc then starts reflecting lights and it, and it goes all over and it, you know, it spins for a long time. But together with that, they also had the Levitron. If you remember the Levitron, that was where you were supposed to balance a, a top in, in, in the I do, air, I remember that. And yep. it would spin. Okay, I, I have all of them. <laughs> Let me tell you, they later had to actually put a device to help you levitate the tops because it was impossible. Yeah. Ha having the device brand new, I bought them when um, in the malls, you would have uh, the mm -hmm. sharper image. And I think I bought it in the sharper image. This was probably, I don't know, 2001, 2002 when I bought this, 2005. Who knows the date? I'm bad with dates. But I tried to levitate that top. And it I think that, that top was a copy of the top secret spinning top that Johnson mm -hmm. Smith sold, which to my amazement, uh, uh, Craig Taubeck said it was the best selling product ever wow. of Johnson Smith. And I was I'm very shocked because I, I do have, the, it was also, they had the, the thing that looked like a black flying saucer, which was called the, um, the visual thing. You would put a ring inside uh, and then it looked like it was on top. It was a uh, mm -hmm. illusion. I forgot the name of it which I have about 36 of those. And they're actually have been in my possession so old that some of them, the mirror inside just faded away. So the illusion is not yeah. even good anymore. Uh, but those things, um, the top and everything like that, I never was able to make. One no, it was, it was near, it was near like, impossible. It really was. I, I tried and the freaking top would just yep. jump off to the right, to the left. Cause it's powered by <laughs> yep. a magnet. So the idea is if you can spin the top precisely in the Dead center, center, yep dead center you get it to spin for days in yeah. midair so they've made ever since that they've made a flying earth they made mm -hmm. a flying moon they sell a lot of those where you know they have a globe that levitates a light bulb that's inside the globe and it's levitating between two right. magnets and this all goes back to the 70s when one of the first inventions of levitating stuff is where they had um and this is a funny story they had this little um wooden thing where you had a square square cube in the center attached by an invisible fishing line and the cube was called the floating cube and you would put your photographs inside. Oh, I remember that. Yep. Remember. remember that? There was a big strong magnet. I mean, I have yeah. a couple of those. There's a strong magnet on top and the, the cube would float in midair with your photo. But the thing was what was holding it from attaching to the ceiling was from the strong magnet was the, an invisible string. So one day I bought one and my wife put it on the TV stand next to the TV and I, I realized that the colors of the TV were going to the right. It had like a rainbow Whoa. effect. And I'm like, what the hell? The old two TVs? <laughs> and I almost had the damn thing repaired because the colors <laughs> were going. It was because the magnet the magnet was pulling it. And and, and that's, you know, those, those are funny things that, you know, back from the day. Just like uh, one thing that Joe would love is when I had my first color TV, Chuck, back in 1976, <laughs> I think it was. It was a remote control. And it sounded with sound waves. Wow. <laughs> so you would be able to 
turn the TV the, to turn the TV on and off, you had to pull the little button to go in and out. But then when you went to change the channel, the volume it would go like clong, Isn't that clong, something? you know. Wow. And it was sound operated. <laughs> the problem is when the fire department passed outside, your TV turned on <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> living living in New York City, that was that was kind of crazy, you know. But I still remember that. And in fact, I, I have my grandson when he was born. No, not my grandson. I'm sorry, my son actually. They gave him a remote control robot that worked with the sonic sound, like you went ding ding, you know. And so that you know what type of sound I'm talking about. You know the jumping quarter, very famous in Johnson Smith and yes. other companies. You put in your hand, and when you, the little disc that in comic books they used to call, sell them as flying mm-hmm. saucers. Okay, it's a disc. It's a metallic disc that you, when you, it turns inside out when you touch it because of the heat of your hand. But when it goes, right. it bounces off the table and it goes like mm-hmm. three, four mm-hmm. feet high in the air. It it does the same thing. Like when you go like that, tick tock, tick tock. That's the sound that the changes make. I mean, do you remember those changes, Chuck? I mean, you're my age. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. You know what? You know, because you guys brought up Vincent Price before, and I was going to say, Eddie, you know, those those commercials with the shrunken heads and all that stuff with the apples, that was, they were actually live back when we were kids. I mean, that was a that was a current commercial. I can remember actually seeing that commercial, and I always wanted one of those kits, but I never got it. But my parents did get me, which I still have, packed away, and it's in pretty good condition. I have the thing maker or the fright factory. So I still have mine from when I was a kid. Uh, I think it's labeled 1966, but I got it in about 69. And I tell you what, that thing is amazing. I mean, me and my brother would play with that thing for hours and uh, with the goop where you pour like into the molds. And then you, it, once, once it warms up, then there's a cooling dish that you put it in and you peel off these and you peel off these, these little bugs and creatures. And there, there was even one mold we have where you made a shrunken head. It was really cool. I, I do have one, but you know what? Mine is missing a couple of parts. I think the box is the best thing on it. But um, creepy crawlers yep. creepy were also crawlers. creepy crawlers with commercial. But the Vincent Price commercials were really astounding. There was one item too that I think I mentioned to Joe one time, and Todd that there was. If you remember, let me see if you remember this. There was a toy that Maxwell Smart, uh, the mm-hmm. guy who played Maxwell Smart, he used to advertise all the Skittles. Oh, I remember that. Yep. Yep. TV. Okay. Do you remember there was one that it was, uh, it looked like a triangle. It was red. And you had like this podiums on each side, not podium, but like, um, what's the name? When you take a ball and, and, and you hit the ball to make the item shoot out uh, a pendulum, oh, a pendulum okay. on each side. And it had a moving target that the target will go across the, the bottom of the game. Listen, I had one of those games. My People that I talked to go, oh, yeah, I remember because it do, was on live TV. I do remember that. Smart. Okay, you want to know something? That game exists to exist. It's no pictures on it on eBay. I mean, on, on the wow. internet. Uh, I've never seen a photograph of that darn game. Wow. And I've looked for everything from Skittle, Shootout. And I've, but the game with the moving target, I remember Maxwell Smart would walk yeah. into the room and he'd go, okay. And he walked down and he started shooting and the target moved across and it was like the target was like the the same logo from the mm-hmm. store target but what it did it was it was kind of it it, it 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 rolled the roll across the mm-hmm. game by battery operated obviously through a little string and if you hit the target with the ball when you hit the pendulum it taught it made the target go to the other side because the target was shaped like a plate but it was flattened 
so mm-hmm. that they, they would, you know, flip one side or the other. That game, you have no idea how isn't, much I've looked at just to see a wow. bit of it. I, I did have a picture. I probably have it in my storage. I did find a picture on the internet about 20 years ago, but it was a very small picture. I've never seen it hmm. since because I would like to have the name. Maybe with looking the name, you find the darn game. Wow. But, and you remember, see, you remember, everybody does, but nobody can tell me the name of the, of no. the game. I thought it was Skittle Shootout, but it it wasn't Skittle Shootout. Yeah, there was, was, there was something else called Skittle Pool. Remember the pool balls? Yeah, I have that. In fact, my yep. brother bought me a brand new one not a brand new original condition he paid like 200 <laughs> i'm like he sends me this huge box and i'm like i really didn't want that what i was looking for was the target one that he thought it we're, was you know what we're so we're old not- eddie that we remember this stuff we actually had these when we were kids <laughs> and joe remembers he was sitting on a lollipop in his carriage at the time <laughs> i wasn't even a thought and my parents had it <laughs> oh my god that's so crazy but listen we're running up uh short there on the hour there so um what last words you guys have i guess uh, how long we have an hour a minute and a half we got about about seven minutes left oh okay that's right because i'm looking here at the thing and i didn't realize we started yeah okay seven minutes that's good I, i'm sorry I, I i wrong in the timing there yeah but um chuck um we grew up in the right time, man. We grew up right before video games. We... Do you remember, Chuck, do you remember this video game that was a triangle? And it had a gun in one side that you shot this little white Texas-looking like cowboy across I do the remember screen. that. It had a, a, a driving wheel on the other side, and then it had the paper. I do remember that. And you changed it. Okay, that game, I have one still in mint condition. Wow, wow. <laughs> And I have the three the three cartridges that come oh. with it. One of them was like the different ping pong games. Um, what did that play on? Was that on Atari? No, it wasn't Atari. I, I think, to be honest with you, that was made by ColecoVision, which I think later became yeah. the rival of Atari. Like, what do we have today? Nintendo? I think Nintendo. I, I, this, I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking out of my, my head right now. I don't know if this is true or not, but... I know that Atari, when the Atari Master System came out, and the Atari Master System was, you know, late, early 70s and only played ping pong. Then when they started doing all the cartridges, mm-hmm. like one of my favorite cartridges was the Haunted House, and they started adding that. They came with, uh, uh, there was a rival. I think it was called ColecoVision. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was another one that came later on, which... Um, they did another master system. I think it was called the master mm. system. And it was Nintendo's rival. Those companies, I think, merged into what we have today as Atari. I mean, Atari is not no. even around today anymore. I think the name is, you know, a few things. But uh, I think now you have Nintendo and PlayStation. Um, I think that originally those companies were like Coleco. I mean, I don't know if they merge or change, mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean... Here's here's a few years ago, in a mall, they they had an arcade in back of the mall, and the arcade were selling asteroid machines, were wow. selling uh, space invader machines. How you know how much? Three hundred dollars. Wow. The full units. I told my wife, I'm taking one. She's like, you're bringing <laughs> that to the house. <laughs> but hey, let, let me tell you something. Talking about that, I bought myself a life size slot machine. That they of course fixed so you can't use it as a gambling device right. that shoots coins. That thing weighs about 150 mm-hmm. pounds. 
And let me tell you one thing. When you put that inside an apartment, which that's why it's mm. in my storage, when you pull the lever on that thing and you win, that shit it is, is very loud. loud. You can hear it across yeah. the street. <laughs> and you're like, Whoa. Yeah, I got you a know? few down in my game room. I got a couple of those kinds of slot machines. And I got a pachinko machine where it's a, it's a, it's a form of pinball, but it's upright. And there's little, there's little uh, wire. Yep. The, the Chinese, yep, so the balls yeah, the will bounce ones. off the little pins. It's kind of neat. Yeah, I think the pachinko machine was one of the ones that they made when we were kids. Uh, you remember the little plastic thing? Yep. That you hit the little metal thing yep. up on the ball. I think that's where they oh, made yeah. it from. Way back, you know? way back when I was in high school, Eddie, I used to hang at the arcades. And I remember there was a pattern with Pac-Man. And somebody taught me the pattern. So for one quarter, I mean, I would play literally like two and a half, three hours. You know, like, you know, like once you knew the pattern and you didn't and you didn't lollygag, if you went right through the pattern, you could go to the next board, the next board, the next board. I mean, I was up there far. I had all the keys. I think it was I had a bunch of keys and everything. And but I but I'd play for maybe two and a half, three hours on one quarter. It was it was amazing. I I was really good at knockout. I, I do. That out? was cool. I, I, yeah, I really got into that game, me and my brother-in-law. But the other one that I really loved was... Uh, oh, Moonland. I remember. That was remember cool. Remember the Moonland? Yeah, you had you had the thing, and then you had the, the shifting gear. It looked like yeah. a plane shifting thing where it's going to go fly up and down. And then you had the four buttons, and you had to land this spaceship on on this jagged ter- terrain, which is funny because it was all black and white. That was <laughs> uh, neat. And, and the ship and cool. everything. You know that... You know what I did? I actually, um, about a, two years ago, three years ago, they made duplicate life-size machines. That they still have them right now? They sell for like $349 in, in Walmart mm-hmm. and stuff. And you need to put them on top of this square box to make them like stand up, you know? But it's a full-fledged arcade machine just like the originals. I was able to get one at the crazy price of $39, wow. man. I don't know if I, I think it was GameStop was going out of business or FYE. I think it was FYI. They were closing it down. They sold it at 80% of the value. I paid like 39. All I know is I still have it in the basement. I haven't even opened it, but it has eight games on it. It has mm-hmm. Pac-Man, Galaga, Galaga, Galaxian, Asteroids. And the reason I bought it is because it had it Moonland. And then you also had that, remember the, the one, the, what was it called? The one that the, you had the three silos in the bottom, and then oh, missile, missile command. command. Yeah, yeah, missile command. That, that thing yeah. was hard, man. I couldn't. <laughs> I was never good at that, man. No matter how much you, the freaking missiles came on you, and then at the end you had the big yeah, bang. Was, <sighs> really I grew cool, up playing man. pool a lot too. You know what? My parents had a pool table. They had a pool table when I was a kid, and uh, you know what? I was I was pretty good, you know, and uh, it kind of stuck with me. So I'm I'm half decent at pool, but I grew up a, as a kid. I was a paper boy when I was a kid, and I'd be playing pool, you know, you know, with my friends and my brother's friends, and I would usually <laughs> beat them. I was I was actually pretty good. It was it was amazing. What what made nice. Well, hey, guys, I, let me uh, cut in here. We got about a minute and a half left. And um, Chuck, I want to thank you once again hey, for, for stopping by and joining us. Eddie, uh, thanks as always. And um, for everyone out there, thank you for joining us. You could go ahead and search us on your favorite podcast platforms at houseoftheunusual.radio, all one word, uh, until we change it over and we'll let everybody know. Uh, also, head over to houseoftheunusual.com. Uh, sign up for our free newsletter. We have a forum there that you could sign up for free. Uh, meet meet some like-minded people, join in the conversation there. 
And also check us out on YouTube at House of the Unusual and on Facebook and Instagram at House of the Unusual. So plenty of ways to uh, interact with us and you can check us out every, uh, was it Wednesday, Eddie, we're coming out now? Still at yeah. 3 a.m.? Well, actually Thursday because it's Wednesday now. Thursday, 3 a.m. Okay, yeah, Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday morning. So check us out every week. We got a new show for you and... Uh, once again, everybody out there, thanks for joining us. And Eddie and Chuck, thanks and for stopping by. And finally say, really quick, uh, for the last 30 seconds, Olympic sales and back of comic books selling postcards. I won myself my own pool table. <laughs> and had, that's how I first played pool. Guys, have a great okay, night. Okay, thanks. Good night. And take care. Mm-hmm.